this is a podcast for EMJ. I'm Ellen Weber, the Editor-in-Chief. My guest is Jeffrey Klein, Professor of Emergency Medicine and Physiology at Indiana University School of Medicine. And we're here to talk a little bit about his paper that was published this week on the role of facial expression in diagnosing serious disease. Jeff, thank you very much for coming. And thank you, Ellen. It's nice to hear your voice again. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Jeff, you're very well known for your work in pulmonary embolus and diagnostic algorithms. So I'm quite interested to hear a little bit about this study. Maybe you could summarize it for us and then tell us a little bit about how you got into this area and this line of research. The scientific part of this work came from my interest in gestalt assessment of pretest probability for pulmonary embolism. There are a number of scoring systems such as the Wells scoring system or the Geneva scoring system that add together risk factors and findings and vital signs to give a score that tells the doctor about the chances that a patient actually has pulmonary embolism. And all those scoring systems work pretty well, but they're a little hard to remember, and some of them don't apply across different populations very well. I'm very interested in gestalt assessment, which is the issue of just coming into the bedside and taking together all the information you have in the room and what you know about the chart to make a global estimate, an unstructured estimate about the chances that the patient has pulmonary embolism. And in my prior work, I found that gestalt assessment is just as good as the structured scoring systems. And in fact, that physicians prefer it over the scoring systems. And it's what they tend to use in their usual practice. So this was a peeling the onion part of that to figure out what is it that doctors use when they walk into the room to decide if a patient is generally sick or not. And then more specifically, whether they think the patient needs a workup for pulmonary embolism. So can you tell us um, briefly what you did and what you found? Based on experience, I hypothesized that physicians use facial expressions to make decisions. And um, anyone that's listening that practices emergency medicine is probably familiar with the experience of maybe working at a computer and looking up and as the entryway doors to the emergency department open up and uh, the, the medics or the paramedics are, are pushing a patient in on a gurney and you look at the patient's face and, and instantly begin to make inferences about whether or not you think this patient needs your attention right away or whether it's somebody that could wait a while. And with that experience, I came up with a saying that I used to use to teach medical students about how I decided a patient needed a workup for pulmonary embolism. And it was sort of a tongue-in-cheek saying, but it had truth to it. And they would say, well, geez, Dr. Klein, how, how did you decide to order a D-dimer on that patient and not another one? And I said, I would say, it's because she looked like a woman doing her taxes, but it ain't tax season. They have a certain look to their faces, a consternation a little bit of disgust, a little bit of sadness, a little bit of disconnect. 
And that's what made us do the methodology to look at pe people's facial expressions for this paper. And simply what we did was went in and recorded their facial expressions. And these were patients undergoing a workup that included the CAT scan of the chest. And we recorded their facial expressions while they viewed a short PowerPoint video clip of some stimuli slides. And what we thought we would see was that patients who had serious problems, such as pulmonary embolism, acute coronary syndrome, aortic disasters, pneumonia, that those patients would have decreased variability or response to the stimuli. And that's what we found. They did. They had decreased overall facial expression variability. Can you describe what the stimuli slides were? Were they cartoons or faces or stuffed animals? I'm sitting here next to an Elmo, and it makes me smile just looking at it. Well, that's a great question, because when we started this, we thought that a key stimulus was to show some sign of humor. And I think it's not a far stretch to say that when we're sick, we're not feeling quite as humorous as we are when we're healthy. So trying to depict a stimulus slide that is universally funny was really quite a challenge. Um, now, there are stimuli slides that are well known in the literature of affect research that are, are known to exhibit certain type of affect responses, either fear or disgust or joy or surprise or um, smile or happiness. But we picked stimuli that we thought would be particularly engaging. And one, in fact, was a cartoon. Another was a big human face that was sort of making a funny expression. And then the third one was an image that we thought was sad or conveyed an image of um, melancholy emotion. And, you know, we recorded the faces during um, about a 15-minute projection of each one of these slides. We then took the faces of the patients as they viewed these slides, and we applied this method of analyzing the degree of contraction of each facial muscle using the facial action coding system developed by Paul Ekman. And you calculate a numeric score for each muscle and they can be aggregated into groups and then turned into specific facial expressions of emotion such as surprise or smile or frown. And what we found was that patients that were sick with significant cardiopulmonary problems, including pulmonary embolism, had particularly less um, affect of surprise when they first saw the very first slide. And that was one of the main findings of the overall study. Wow, fascinating. You know, I think as a physician and also as a family member, many of us look at when a patient gets their sense of humor back. You know, we know when they start talking to us and joking that we've, we've made a difference. And um, it sounds like we've actually now started to prove that there is some scientific evidence behind this. Where do you go from here? Well, the next step is we are going to have to go back and use standard stimulus slides for which thousands of people have viewed and we know what expected normal responses are. We have to get better images of the face. And then importantly, we are converting to having a computerized system evaluating the face. 
the one we're using. There's lots of them out there. We're using the Noldus face reader. And uh, it's amazing how difficult it is to obtain a human's face with adequate lighting and, and um, video capture for the face reader to be able to reliably attach its what I call spider web to the face and then be able to track all the facial expressions as we show our stimuli slides. So we have a technical hurdle where we're working on getting good facial expressions that the computer can analyze. Then we also want to take the same images and compare what the computer thinks to what different clinicians think, including different genders, experiences, experience levels, and um, race and ethnicity of the physicians to see if we're different in how we view faces as physicians. And where do you see this going for the ordinary practitioner? Will it verify kind of our, as you said earlier, our gestalt? Do you think it'll allow us to become better at it? I think the real tangible thing that I would like to add to the literature is that we can add a general line to our physical exam that says something like this. The patient demonstrates normal affect variability. And that with that line, I'm able to show inter-observer agreement and actual diagnostic statistics, such as a likelihood ratio negative, that indicates that that line actually decreases the probability of pulmonary embolism and maybe other diseases as well. Because if you think about it, for many problems like chest pain, there's not a whole lot that the physical exam really helps us with. I mean, looking at the legs and whether there's unilateral leg swelling, well, if you see that, that's, it's rare, but if you see it, it's, it's a big finding. Or if we find wheezing, that might be an alternative diagnosis to pulmonary embolism or acute coronary syndrome. But there's not a whole lot that we can really document on physical exam. So I would just like to be able to quantify some element of the face as a unique descriptor that physicians can reliably say has a likelihood ratio negative of less than, say, 0.5 to help reduce the probability of serious illness. To me, that's the most pragmatic thing. And then the more pie-in-the-sky things are using facial expressions to help physicians connect with their patients more, and maybe even for patients to connect back with their physicians and to be able to have a common denominator of how we talk to each other. It might be important to training some physicians because there are probably some who are better at reading others' nonverbal cues, such as facial expressions. And maybe this could be part of a medical student or physician curriculum to be able to test how intuitive or good some of us are. And it might be an opportunity for making people have better empathy and overall connection with their patients. So those are the more broader pie-in-the-sky things I would like to do. That's really fascinating, Jeff, because I know that there are concerns. There's a lot being written right now about people moving towards the test and away from the patient, away from the physical exam, which we, as you said, often doesn't yield exactly what we want it to yield. And there's a concern also, though, about over-reliance on testing and, and just the lack of the therapeutic touch. And, and the idea that you could actually find a physical finding 
that would be, as, as you have for pulmonary embolism, almost as good as that test may bring us a little bit back to the center with regard to taking care of our patients and providing the interaction that they want. I think so. I, I find that patients respond in a warm and humanistic way when I say things like, your face tells me you're not feeling well. Or on the other hand, your face tells me that you're probably not very sick. I think that they like to know that I'm looking at them. And that's a big part of being a doctor, you know, is that bedside manner. Another area this might be important in is as we try to save money in an ACO model here in the United States, um, we might see more healthcare delivered by a mechanism such as Skype, which ironically we're on right now. And it might be important to just be able to analyze the person's face at the other end of the line to determine whether they need more resources. I think that's great, Jeff. I, I really want to thank you. You had a wonderful, I, I, I looked at your TED Talk and you had a wonderful line that uh, I think summarized a lot of what you're finding. And if I can quote you, it would said that there is no poker face for disease. And I thought that was just a great way of summarizing something that I think many of us seem to intuit, but often discount. Um, and I, I really uh, like the fact that we may actually now make this one scientific. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. And I um, appreciate the questions that were right on the mark. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Great.